Good morning, church. So very good to see you this morning. One of the things that I love about the church is you all are a bunch of rebels. I don't know if you know that or not, but just by, just by being part of this service this morning, you are being incredibly rebellious against the ways of the world. I'll come back to that in just a second. But uh, I wanted to start by talking about a story from when I was a kid. And it's funny now, and I'm sure my kids feel this way about me, that every time I start a story with, when I was a kid, it sounds a whole lot like my grandparents saying, when I was a kid, we'd walk to school, you know, both or uphill both ways, no shoes, in the, in, the, in the snow, you know, sounds like one of those stories. But when I was a kid, one of my favorite days, probably my favorite day of the week was Saturday, and I didn't even call it Saturday. I called it Cartoon Day, Cartoon Day, because when I was a kid, and probably many of you can remember, that was the only day of the week where there were cartoons that you could watch. And I would get up early in the morning, I'd pour myself a bowl of Captain Crunch or whatever the generic brand of Captain Crunch was, and I would go in the living room and I would sit in front of the television set. I would turn it on. You had to sit in front of the television set because there was no remote control. Sit in front. See, I told you it was like uphill both ways kind of a story. But I would sit in front of the TV, turn it on, and it was, I turned it on so early in the morning, there were no cartoons on. In fact, there was nothing on except the test pattern. You remember the test pattern? Uh, sometimes it was a picture of a deer or something like that. Sometimes there was an annoying sound or some music playing. I, oftentimes I would doze off to the test pattern and then I'd wake up and there were cartoons on for like three glorious hours and that was it until the next week. And then you have to wait till the next week to watch cartoons again. I was thinking about the difference between that and then when my kids were little, there were always cartoons on because there was cable, cable TV, so there were whole channels devoted to cartoons, not just a certain period of the day, but all day long, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then, of course, there came streaming things, Netflix and Amazon and now Disney Plus, and you got all of these different ways to watch cartoons or whatever it is that you want to watch. Anytime you want to watch it, everything is always available on demand. I was thinking about that. Does that make it more special or less special? In a way, it makes everything a little less special, doesn't it? Because it's always available. There's no special times or special seasons. And it's not just cartoons and it's not just television. It's everything, isn't it? Everything. There was a time where there were certain days of the week that were special, set apart, a sort of rhythm to things, a cycle to things. But now it feels like we've moved into an era where we want every day to be just like every other day. Everything is always available. Everything is always on. Everything is always going. Everything is always streaming. And we are constantly going, constantly on. I don't know that that's how we were designed to be. In fact, I'm quite certain that's not how we were designed to be. And I think that you being part of this service this morning, you participating in the worship on Sunday morning, you are rebelling against that 24-7, always going, always on, always doing by stopping, slowing down, and saying there's something special about today. 
And there's something special about being with my church family and worshiping. There's something special to this cycle and rhythm of the week. You know, even that word week, that's kind of an interesting idea, isn't it? When it comes to things like a year, a year is obviously how long it takes the earth to travel around the sun. So one year tracks how long it takes for the earth to go around the sun. A day, of course, is how long it takes the the earth to rotate on its axis. A month tracks the the movement and the orbit of the moon around the earth and the, the cycles of the moon. But a week, that's interesting. Why, why seven days in a week? Different ancient peoples divided up their month in different ways. They didn't take very long to figure out about years and months, but weeks were a little bit different. Different cultures had different sorts of weeks and different numbers of days in weeks. But once the Babylonians began to popularize the idea of seven days in a week, that idea became pretty universal, became pretty universal. And in fact, in our creation story, we're told that seven days, that our, our bodies and the universe is uniquely calibrated to a seven-day week. And there have been different cultures over the years that have tried to get away from the, the religious, the religious ideas of the seven day week. And they try to break away from that and, and create different, different weeks. The, uh, the French Revolution, there were 12 years during the French Revolution where they tried to create a 10 day week. So they would work for nine days and then they would have a 10th day of rest. They were trying to secularize their culture and move away from the religious aspects of a seven day week. And so they decided to create a 10 day week. After all, you'd be incredibly effective and produce so much, right? If you could work for 10 days, it didn't work. It was a failure. The Soviets tried to create a five-day week. They experimented with a five-day week and a six-day week. But all of these things have failed. All of these things have failed. I love this quote from John Mark Comer in the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He says this, There is a rhythm in creation, six and one. And when we tap into this rhythm, we experience health and life. But when we fight this rhythm... Ignore it, suppress it, push past it, bully it, make excuses, look for a way to get out of it. We reap the consequences. We're not talking about, we're not talking about law. We're not talking about the law of Moses. We're talking about the creation account. That the creation account tells us that God created the universe and people with this rhythm of seven days, of six days of of working and doing and going and one day of resting, that he created a day to Sabbath. The word Sabbath means rest, to rest. And God even modeled this rest, stop, cease, sit back, be blessed. And he blessed a day of the week, a day to remember Remember the the finishing, the completion of creation. And then later, later, much later, when Moses received the law, God commanded Israel to remember the Sabbath day. 
to keep the Sabbath day, to to not work on the Sabbath day, to remember not only the creation, but to remember how they were delivered from Egypt, how they were liberated from slavery. Remember how he provided for them in the wilderness, how they gathered food on six days, but on the seventh day, they didn't gather any food, and God fed them, cared for them. The Sabbath day was a day to be still and be blessed. Be still and be blessed. And again, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about law. I'm not just talking about the law that God gave to Israel. I'm talking about something that is in the very fabric of creation. That in the very fabric of creation, and every time we've tried to rebel against it and say, oh, we don't have to follow those six days and then a day of rest. I don't need a day of rest. I can just go, 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 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I can keep going. I can keep being on. I can keep producing. I can keep being entertained. I can stay awake. I can go, go, go. And every time we've tried to live like that, it is self destructive. Some, in some part of the creation, the cosmos, the universe, your own body, the very fabric of creation is this rhythm of rest, of being still and being blessed. And, and this month, as we're sort of looking at the life of Jesus and asking, what would it, what would it really look like or mean to follow Jesus at his pace of life, to do life like Jesus did life. One of the things that Jesus did was he took time to rest. Jesus kept the Sabbath, not just because it was the law, and as a good Jewish man, he kept the law, not just because it was the law, but because it's part of creation. Jesus rested. Look at Luke chapter 6 and verse 1. Luke chapter 6 and verse 1. Let's just look at Jesus and the way he lived his life. It says, On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Now, of course, the, the law of Moses simply said, Don't work on the Sabbath. Don't work on the Sabbath. What, what does that mean? What all does that entail? What, what's work and what's not work? If you've ever tried to really take a day and just rest and say, I'm not going to work today, it's kind of difficult to figure out, well, what, what is work? What, what does work entail? What, how do you define work? And the law simply said, don't work on the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath holy. Don't work on the Sabbath. But they felt like they had to create all kinds of rules and regulations and traditions, and guardrails, and customs to keep people from working, and to define what is working, and they looked at what the the disciples were doing, and rubbing grain in their hands, Uh uh-oh, you're threshing grain, you've harvested it because you picked it, now you're threshing it, and now you're preparing a meal to eat, and you're eating it, and so they looked at that, and they said, obviously, you're working, and you need to stop doing that, but I want you to really think about this scene. Here you have these Pharisees who are watching Jesus and the disciples. They're apparently waiting for them to make a mistake, waiting for them to do something wrong. Who's really working in this scene? On on the one hand, you have Jesus and his disciples, and they're leisurely strolling through a grain field. 
and they're having a snack as they go. They're eating as they go. They're plucking and they're, they're eating. They're probably talking and they're leisurely walking through the grain field. On the other hand, you have the Pharisees. The Pharisees who are judging, who are watching, who are condemning, who are criticizing, who are trying to figure out whether these people are breaking the law or not, aren't they working? They're working on the Sabbath, aren't they? They may not be working with their hands, but their mind is going 90 miles an hour, judging, rebuking, correcting, condemning. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered them, Have you not read... I always love when Jesus asks religious leaders, have you not read? Jesus is saying, don't you know your Bible? Don't don't you know your Bible? Haven't you read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God, the tabernacle, and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him. I mean, this is incredibly bold. Commentators are kind of, they differ on exactly what Jesus is getting at here and why he's saying this. Jesus is certainly comparing himself with David, isn't he? And I think, if nothing else, Jesus is asking these Pharisees, would you you judge David as well? David did what the law told him not to do. He was eating the bread of the presence. He was eating the showbread in the tabernacle. And, and, yet, and yet God justified David. And yet God didn't condemn David. But would you condemn David? Would you criticize David? Would you say David shouldn't have done that? Would you put yourself over David? God didn't condemn him. God didn't cast him out. And yet, you seem to want to put yourself above Jesus and above there. Haven't you read? Don't you know? David did this, and yet God didn't, get, didn't condemn him. God justified him. In fact, I think this gets at the very heart of what the Sabbath was all about. The Sabbath was all about let God be God. You you need a day a week. You need a constant reminder that there is a God and you are not him. Don't you? I, I know I need that. You need a constant reminder that there is a God and you are not him. Let God be God. The Sabbath was a day to be still, and be blessed. Be still and be blessed. Let God be God. Let God do the condemning. Let God do the judging. Let God do let God do the feeding. Let God do the providing. Just be still and be blessed. Because we live in this constant state of agitation, don't we? This constant state of believing that we have to keep all of the balls juggling in the air, all of the the plates spinning on the poles. We believe that if we stop even for a second, God built into the very fabric of the universe a rhythm, a cycle, that if if you took it seriously, you would have to stop on a regular basis and say, it's not me. 
It's not me. I'm not God. I'm not keeping all of the plates spinning. I'm not keeping all of the balls in the air. I'm not keeping the universe going. I'm not the one who's giving me food to eat or air to breathe or water to drink. I'm not God. And I think Jesus is reminding these Pharisees, you are not God. God was okay with David eating this bread. And you have to be okay with that. You have to acknowledge there is a God and I'm not him. Especially on the Sabbath day, give it a rest. Give it a rest. Give the condemning a rest. Give the judging a rest. Just stop. Listen to the next thing Jesus says, verse 5. And he said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Messiah is Lord of the Sabbath, which means, which means if the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, then who's not? You or them. The Pharisees are not the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is the Son of Man. Therefore, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, which is good news, isn't it? Which is good news. God doesn't need you to be the guardian of everything. God doesn't need you to be the Lord of everything. God doesn't need you to be the master of everything. Rest, rest is about relinquishing control. Let me say that again because I'm I'm sure that I'm not the only one that needs to hear that. Rest is about relinquishing control. That's why it's so hard, isn't it? That's why it's so hard to rest. That's why it's so hard to take a day a week, whether it's Saturday or it's Sunday or whatever. It's so hard for us to just stop because we want to be in control. We want to be in control. And that's why even if our bodies have stopped, even if our hands have stopped, even if our mouth has stopped, even if we've stopped and we are physically being still, our mind is still going because we want to be in Control. Jesus says, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day, a constant reminder that you and I need to slow down and be still and be blessed. To relinquish control. I mean, what an amazing blessing that is, isn't it? An amazing blessing to just let go. And remind yourself, there is a God, and I'm not Him. There is a God, and you are not Him. He's in control. He's in charge. Let God do the God thing. Let God be the Lord. Let the Messiah be the Lord of the Sabbath. Stop trying to be in control. That's why we have such a hard time resting. That's why we have such a hard time sleeping. That's why we have such a hard time slowing down. That's why we have such a hard time being kind to each other because we always want to be in control. And we need a constant reminder. We need routines in our life, cycles in our life, rhythms in our life that remind us there is a God and you are not him. But this this also means that Jesus isn't forsaking the Sabbath. Jesus isn't abolishing the Sabbath. 
Jesus is fulfilling the Sabbath. The Sabbath was about a lot of things. It was about remembering what God had done, trusting that God was going to work in the present. And there's also this idea of a universal Sabbath, that all of history is moving forward to the day when the Messiah would make all things new. And the Jewish people, many of them, as they celebrated the Sabbath on a weekly basis, were looking forward to the day when they would enter into the permanent rest of the Messiah. And as followers of Jesus, we believe that that's what we have now, isn't it? Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the one who fulfills the Sabbath. He doesn't say, hey, this is meaningless. It's unimportant. It's incredibly important. Because you and I need the reminder that the Son of Man is Lord. Look at verse 6. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue. Of course, that's what Jesus did on the Sabbath, was go to synagogue study and pray. And he was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so they might find a reason to accuse him. Again, who is working, right? Who's working on the Sabbath day? Are the Pharisees, the Pharisees who are looking for a reason to accuse Jesus and to say, ha, I gotcha, you you healed on the Sabbath day, They're watching him. And are they working? Yes. Hypocritically, they're working. And it's not a good work. They're not not working in a way to bless someone, to help someone, to love someone, to serve someone. They're, They're doing a scheming work, a conniving work, a destructive work. And how often, how often, if we're really honest, how often do we do that as well? How often do we turn on the news just to hear what those people are up to? The people we don't like, the people we don't agree with, the people who don't vote like us or think like us. How often do we we just want to catch them doing something? Ha, see, I knew, I knew they were up to no good. See, I knew they were bad people. We got to get rid of those people. We got to work against those people. See, this is why we need rest. This is why we need rest. We need to give it a rest. We need to stop. Stop with the planning. Stop with the scheming. Stop with the thinking. Stop with the judging. Stop with the condemning. Let God be God. You see, this is what the Pharisees are doing. They're working. They are working themselves silly, aren't they? It's the Sabbath day, and they're looking to condemn someone else for working on the Sabbath, but they're working on the Sabbath, conniving and scheming and planning. It says in verse 8, but Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, come and stand here. And he rose and stood there, and Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? When When I read this, I've always thought, well, that's weird, Jesus. Why does it have to be one or the other? Why does it have to be do good or do harm, save life or destroy it? Why can't it just be none of the above? Because he's contrasting what he's doing with what they are doing. Because again, they're working, aren't they? They're working to do harm. They're working to destroy life. Jesus, Jesus 
is showing them what the Sabbath was all about. What the purpose of it was to bless, to love, to do good, to receive good. But they had rejected that. Oh, sure, they weren't harvesting grain, but they were coming up with schemes in their mind. They were coming up with plans in their mind. They were trying to figure out who stepped over the line, who messed up, who wasn't doing right, who needed to be corrected, who needed to be rebuked, and they needed to stop, stop. If you're going to do something on the day of rest, let it be do good. Let it be bless people, help people, serve people, receive a blessing and share a blessing. Verse 10, and after looking around at them, After looking around at them all, he said to them, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored. I love that word, don't you? Restored. That's what rest is all about, isn't it? Rest is about restoration. It's about renewal. It's about life. This is what, this is what on a weekly cycle, a weekly rhythm, rest is all about. And then the ultimate Sabbath rest, the Sabbath rest to which everyone in all of history was moving and continues to move, the day on which the Messiah will make all things new, restore all things, bring life and renewal. And Jesus is showing this is what the Sabbath was always about restoring what's broken, renewing what needs renewal. That's why we, should, why we should make this sort of rest a part of our lives because we need that, don't we? On a weekly basis, we need that. In an ultimate way, we need that. We need rest. We need to be restored. We need to be renewed. Verse 11 but they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. The Sabbath was always for rest and restoration, for being a blessing and receiving a blessing, for participating in life-giving activities, Bible study and prayer, encouragement, helping one another. But do you see how the Pharisees, with all of their rules and regulations, had turned that on its head? And they were busy. They were busy, weren't they? Even on the Sabbath, they were busy. Not not trying to be a blessing, not trying to receive a blessing, but thinking about how they might destroy Jesus. They were busy planning and scheming and judging, planning to take away life. Look at verse 12. In these days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. You see how Luke continues to remind us that that's the rhythm of Jesus, that's the pace of Jesus, that's the practice of Jesus, that's the habit of Jesus, is to get away from the crowds, to go and pray and spend time with his Father. Again, as we've been saying all month, We need to slow down if we want to catch up with Jesus. We need to slow down if we want to catch up with Jesus. If Jesus needed to do this, go out to the mountain and pray and spend all night with God in prayer, 
then how much more do we need that? Again, as we said last week, we have this motto in our world that we work hard, play hard, and Jesus seems to have the motto, work hard, pray hard. It's not about being constantly entertained, constantly engaging in recreation. There's, there's good things that could come from recreation, all good things that could come from being entertained. But this constant going, this constant doing, this constant consuming is not good for us. It's not about the law of Moses. The law of Moses has been fulfilled. We have entered into the Sabbath rest because we have put our faith in Jesus. But it is part of the fabric of the cosmos, the fabric of the universe, the fabric of your own body that you need rest. You cannot live in a constant state of going. You cannot live in a constant state of doing. You cannot live in a constant state of consuming. We need a weekly routine that includes rest, renewal, and relinquishing of control to the Lord. Don't we? I do. I think this is part of the creation story what it means to be a human being. You and I are limited. We are limited in our knowledge. We are not all-knowing. We are not omnipresent. We are not omnipotent, all-powerful. You cannot be everywhere all at once, but technology tends to fool us into thinking that we can be all-knowing. I can know everything. I've got Google in my pocket, right? I can be everywhere all at once. I can live stream myself to the other side of the world. I can be all powerful. I can do all things. Technology fools us into thinking that we don't have limitations. We need a routine in our life that reminds us we are limited. We are mortal. There is a God and you are not him. We need routines in our life that remind us to rest and be renewed and be restored and relinquish control to the Lord to say, you're in charge. You're the one who feeds me. You're the one who gives me air to breathe. You're the one that gives me water to drink. You're in charge of my life. That's what it's always been about. And we have to take time to do that on a weekly basis. We're not under law. We're not under the law of Moses. You're free. But don't use your freedom as an excuse to engage in self-destructive behaviors. And one of the self-destructive behaviors that we engage in is constantly going, constantly doing, constantly consuming. Rest. Reflect be renewed by the Spirit of God and relinquish control. Stop trying to be God. We, we enter into that rest, into that ultimate Sabbath rest, the moment we're baptized into Jesus, don't we? That's what it is. And I love, I love the, the picture of baptism, that it's not something you do to yourself. It's something that is done to you. It's something to which you have to surrender. If you've been baptized into Christ, you've surrendered to him. You've relinquished control. You've said, I've sinned. 
I've broken my life. I've fallen short of your glory, and I surrender myself, my past, my present, and my future to you, Lord. And if you haven't made that decision, then what are you waiting for? Maybe today's the day to put Jesus on in baptism, to surrender your life to him. Or maybe you've just been going so hectically, rushing through your life, and you need to slow down this morning. Maybe you need brothers and sisters to come alongside you and pray with you and pray for you. Maybe you need to take today and rest and be renewed and relinquish control to the Lord. And if we can help you with that in any way, our shepherds would love to pray with you after service, or you can come forward now. As together we stand, sing this song.